What is up, ambitious listeners? We are back and better than ever. This week's episode is a big one. Um, offensive lineman Chad Moore, a literal big one. Um, he joins the show to talk about his career, his future, and everything else. Uh, just an incredible football mind, and it was phenomenal picking his brain for an extensive interview that I hope you guys will enjoy. Before that, um, I also am going to talk about my coaching carousel grades. Uh, a lot of jobs have been filled. Not all of them, but most of them have now been filled. Actually, it's only the Texans that haven't hired a coach yet, which I'll highlight um where they're kind of leaning right now um so yeah i'm going to break down the coaching carousel the hires give them grades and i am also going to be featuring the episode with chad moore so it is a loaded loaded episode today and it all will begin after a quick word from our sponsor you know him you love him anchor so here we go. These are my coaching carousel breakdown slash grades. I'm going to start with my lowest grade and go to my highest grade. So starting with Nick Sirianni to the Philadelphia Eagles, I gave this a D plus. Um, Sirianni has only been in the NFL since 2009. Not a ton of experience, but that's not necessarily something that could be a downfall, but for him it is because he's not had the experience as a play caller. He was a quarterback's coach for the San Diego Chargers, well, now Los Angeles Chargers, Um He's been a wide receivers coach a few times, and then he got bumped up to OC with the Colts under Frank Reich and hasn't been the one calling the plays because Reich is a offensive guru, and now he gets a job as the head coach of the Philadelphia Eagles. I think he's a bright offensive mind. He's an innovator, but would I call him the best hire for the job? In my opinion, I would say no. I think that there was other coaches more fitting of at least getting a crack at the gig, and I think that going with Sirianni was more something to appeal to Carson Wentz than I believe anything else. I think that they are trying to resurrect him based on the money they have invested in him. So I think that that was what this deal was really about, if you're asking me. I think that Sirianni is going to try to implement the Frank Reich offense here and lean on what Frank Reich did well with Carson Wentz and hope that they can resurrect him. I think that the reason he got that job is openly because of that. He's going to be the offensive guru. So the defensive coordinator hire is going to be crucial here. Could bump up my grade a little bit. Um, Sirianni is a solid fit with the Eagles overall. I don't think he was the kind of leader that they needed, though, at this time. But um, And under the radar hire, I just don't see it working out to the best uh, ability. Um, my next lowest hire is Urban Meyer. Um, I've been very outspoken that I didn't like this hire on Twitter and in articles. I just didn't feel like this was the best move they could have made. I think that you have all things going in your favor. I rank them as my second most appealing um place for a prospective head coach i think that the only reason they weren't the most is because of the cons really trying to have a tight grip on roster control but i mean he's had success as a head coach he's been a head coach at bowling green he's been a head coach at utah he's won national titles at florida um he's been a three-time big 10 champion at ohio state i mean he is a highly highly respected college head coach however his kind of method of being a um, coach for kids and a coach for betterment of gentlemen and turning these guys into NFL talents is not something that I don't really see it working at the pro level because he is coaching grown adults, big personalities who have made it to the dance. They know they're talented enough to be here. They don't need Urban Meyer trying to reassure them. So I think that Urban is going to struggle in that regard. Um, I don't think he's going to be a bad head coach um, 
overall. I think he'll probably be around 500, but you don't want that with a head coach. I don't think you're going to make this higher because you wanted it to be uh, 500 higher. You wanted him to bring the success that he had in the college ranks, and I just don't see that happening. I think he's going to be in the Nick Saban realm of someone who jumped to the pros and struggles. Um, he's got a good thing going in his favor because he's going to get Trevor Lawrence, and that's going to help him a lot. Um, I see this being a kind of John Gruden-esque hire where he's not going to be, have a ton of success, but because he's such a big name, a lot of eyes are going to be on him, and each move he does well is going to be lauded, and each move that he doesn't really hit the nail on the head he's going to be ridiculed so it's a catch-22 with urban meyer i just don't love the hire and him potentially translating to the nfl i also don't like the way he's built out his staff so far it just doesn't fill me with the most confidence but um a lot of potential here with meyer in my opinion more potential than the next two guys i'm going to talk about but ultimately i would grade it as a c plus hire so the next guy i'm going to talk about is dan campbell a lot of people have kind of grown to know him in the past couple days because of his infamous press conference about eating kneecaps or busting kneecaps and his nameplate of being the dude. So Campbell has grown very, very quickly within the NFL um, fan base. So in looking at Dan Campbell, though, as a coach, not as just this personality, you see Dan Campbell as a guy who was a coaching intern for the Dolphins and then worked his way up to interim head coach by 2015. He has built a real foundation in this league very quickly. Keep in mind the fact that he retired as a player for the New Orleans Saints in 2009 and then immediately broke in as a coaching intern and now only 12 years later is a head coach of a franchise. So he's risen through the ranks very quickly. He's had interviews in the past but chosen to stay with the New Orleans Saints as the assistant head coach and tight ends coach. He's very, very well respected in league circles. And this is a hire that I do think there is potential to be very good. Um, when he inherited the Dolphins, he took them to 5-7. and seven. Not great, but not awful either, considering they had just fired their head coach midseason after four games. Um, he's a former player. He's going to resonate in that sense as well. But something that about Dan Campbell that is good to me is that you saw it in the press conference. He is relentless. He is going to be a leader of all men. And I think that that's something that is going to fare very, very well as a head coach. But he's coaching in a situation that is not great in Detroit. They're about to trade their franchise quarterback. And they have a significant overhaul ahead of him. So as although I think he was a very good hire, and he's very well respected, and he's done a very solid job of building a staff to this point, I just don't have a ton of faith in Campbell because he's got a very, very bad roster that he's working with. Probably the worst of all of these to this point. The next person I'm going to break down is Arthur Smith, a guy who was the runner-up for the New York Jets job and runner-up for a couple other jobs because he was very well-respected. Um, he was the first choice for a couple teams that ended up having to go in different directions. Smith is a very, very smart offensive mind. He knows what he wants, and he goes out and gets it when it comes to coaching. Um, when Matt LaFleur was fired, he or not fired, sorry, hired as the head coach of the Tennessee Titans, he um, immediately campaigned for the job. Um, back to the fired sense, he survived three coaching changes when they could have easily fired him as part of um, the changing of the guard. But Arthur Smith has continuity. Arthur Smith has been a reliable voice for um, the players. He's been a player's coach. He went on Bussin' with the Boys, a barstool podcast run by Taylor Lewan and Will Compton, two Tennessee Titans players. He's very well respected. He's done a very good job turning around Ryan Tannehill and turning around 
um, the offense overall in Tennessee. He's taken them to a higher level. He's a former offensive lineman, so he's got very good knowledge of the trenches, something that's going to be imperative because of a young offensive line in Atlanta. And he's a leader and a real football guy. I mean, his dad is the founder of FedEx, so he could have easily transitioned that into a premium job with the company, but instead he wanted to be a football player and he wanted to be a football coach. So when he graduated UNC, he was a GA there, and then he immediately burst into the NFL as a defensive quality control coach with the Redskins, working his way up to now as the head coach of the Falcons. He's someone who always wants to get better. He reads military generals' books in order to learn lessons about leadership. So he is somebody who will be a good leader i think um the reason that i didn't grade this higher out as the most um impressive and in the top tier of the next two guys i'm going to talk about is because his offensive scheme i don't see it fitting initially very well with the falcons um i think he's going to be able to do very good things with matt ryan and julio jones and calvin ridley i just have questions about how he is going to handle the offense and the running back position because he doesn't have a bell cow like Derrick Henry to take a lot of the pressure off him. So I'm scared in that sense for the Falcons. Um, They're definitely going to be going through a lot of changes because Matt Ryan is growing older and so is Julio Jones. They're going to have some very big decisions to make with the cap too. So a lot of tough decisions. Smith is going to have to kind of like Campbell show his colors as a coach early and see how he can do with a very, very tough situation. Um, There's definitely more talent here than Atlanta and I think that's the reason he graded out as well as he did with a B because I also think that he's going to put the time in to be a leader. So Although there's questions about scheme fit and overall fit, I do believe Smith is going to be a solid head coach, so B was my ultimate grade for him. The next head coach was someone who I really am very happy about as a New York Jets fan, but from an objective sense, he's somebody who deserved an opportunity as a head coach, and that's Robert Sala to the New York Jets. I gave this an A-. minus. Sala is a very, very well-respected coach. This was probably the hire that gained the most notoriety in the media, um he's been very impressive in the past he's the first muslim born head coach um and he's somebody who worked incredibly hard to get to this point um a former player he then went into the finance industry and then after 9-11 occurred he saw almost his brother pass away i mean his brother was lucky enough to survive in a tragic tragic event and his brother found a new lease on life, and so did Salah with the idea that he almost lost his brother, and he didn't want to go down like that, and he saw how quick things could end, and it inspired him to go back into the football world as a head coach, or or to become a head coach, because he went into coaching. He was a defensive assistant with Michigan State, worked his way up to um, a defensive assistant with Central Michigan, then Georgia, and then he worked for the Houston Texans, was a defensive quality control coach with the Seahawks when they won a Super Bowl. He worked with the Jaguars as a linebackers coach. And then he was the 49ers defensive coordinator for the past three years, where he impressed many. So a very well-traveled coach. Um, he's an, a leader. His all gas, no breaks mantra is something that has resonated very heavily with all the teams he's worked under uh, or worked for. He's been... Under P. Carroll, Gary Kubiak, um, Kyle Shanahan, he's been able to work for three very smart head coaches. I really think that Robert Sala is going to reinvigorate the Jets organization along with the 
um, current front office structure with Joe Douglas. I think that the two of them are going to be able to partner very, very well to bring this team to a lot of success. Um, I give it an A- minus because I thought he also did a phenomenal job filling out his staff. I think Matt LaFleur is someone who compliments him very well. I think the fact that he's not calling plays and he's giving that to Jeff Ulbrich is also something that shows that he is self-aware and realizing that he wants to be a leader of all men, just not one side of the football. So overall, I'm very, very happy the New York Jets got him as a fan and also as a overall um, objective perspective, I give this hire an A- minus because I think it was a home run hire. Now, here's the hire that I'm going to talk about that is going to shock some people of why it was my highest rated hire. Brandon Staley will now be the next head coach of the Los Angeles Chargers, a guy who some projected not even to get a head coaching gig this year. He's going to be one of the youngest head coaches of all time at 38 years old. But when you look at everything Staley has accomplished at such a young age, you see somebody who's going to have immense success as a head coach. Starting off at the age of 24, after being a college quarterback um, at Dayton, he had very good success there. He went 16-5. and He then got diagnosed with cancer at the age of 24. He beat that. And in this time, he was a GA for Northern Illinois, worked his way through the college ranks, was a community college associate head coach in D.C. before then being a GA for Tennessee, then being a defensive coordinator multiple times for John Carroll University, where many head coaches and front office execs come from. Then he had the opportunity to work as a linebackers coach under his idol, Vic Fangio, someone that he was very excited to work under. And then he was hired in the same role when Fangio were left to become the head coach of the Broncos. And then from there, he impressed so many that Sean McVay talked to him and immediately granted him the job because he was somebody that resonated with the team. And in his interview, he told McVay that he was going to use Aaron Donald and Jalen Ramsey in ways that he had used players at um, former stops and at John Carroll. And he mentioned guys who were on his championship team the year they won the um, the national championship and mentioned guys who he who have admittedly said when they found out that they were mentioned in the same regard why were they mentioned in the same regard as Jalen Ramsey because these are guys that are now um, working in accounting or other jobs that have no realm of professional football and he compared them to them and that was something that I opened Sean McVay because he did not care that these were guys that aren't NFL talents. He compared them to guys like Jalen Ramsey and Aaron Donald who are at the top of their craft because he didn't care who you are. He was going to explain how you could fit into his defense and fit into the mold and how he was going to use you. And he's such an analytical and smart football mind that that was one aspect that immediately impressed me when I did research on him. But the aspect that impressed me most is that I compared him on the Fireside Jets and Fireside Football podcast from Empire Sports Media as almost a Ted Lasso type. He is fun. He is kind of like Sean McVay where he will get in there with his players and defensive drills. He is on the field helping his players out and on hands on with helping them out. And then in the locker room um, before the national championship game that I mentioned earlier, John Carroll, he said, we are going to be smooth like chocolate milk and then played Lord um, the song Royals because it got him quote unquote hyped up. He is somebody who has overcome immense adversity by beating cancer and he has risen from a GA and a D3 coach to a head coach position for one of the biggest franchises in football. And he will now get to work and attach his name to an organization that already has a great young quarterback in Justin Herbert and a talented 
general manager and bright general manager in Tom Telesco. So this is a hire that I could go on raving about for a long time, but Brandon Staley is somebody who I think was a home run hire for the Los Angeles Chargers, and I think that um, he and Salah were far and away the two best hires of this cycle. Um, Campbell and Smith are going to be solid hires, and I think Meyer and Sirianni will be looking for new homes in three years. Um, And then about the Houston Texans. Um, I think Deshaun Watson is being the key here because a lot of coaches don't want to come and coach a team that is in limbo because you devoted your team's future to the team chaplain, Jack Easterby, who mm, received a personnel promotion. Um, The Texans franchise is in shambles, and that's something that's been known for a long time because they gave Billy O'Brien complete control when the best they did was 10 and 6 seasons. So I believe that this job is the least appealing and has proven that. And I believe they're going to have to go with somebody who's a veteran who's going to be able to take over the locker room. So that means Jim Caldwell or Leslie Frazier. I think that these are two guys who would be able to kind of take control of the team and at least steer the ship in the right direction. I don't know if they'll be the long-term coaches, but at least putting them on the right path. Caldwell would be someone who I really think would do a good job at that. Then Eric Bieniemy has been rumored. If they're going to try to re- repair things with Deshaun Watson, that's a way to go. But there's a reason Bieniemy hasn't gotten a gig yet, and it's not just because his team's still in the playoffs, because he's been in the cycle multiple times. I I think they'll go with Caldwell or Frazier, and I think both of them would be solid hires, probably in the C-plus to B-minus territory. Not great, but not awful. Um, I would really like the Caldwell hire. Frazier would probably be one of my lower hires, like a d plus kind of ranked higher, but I would say Caldwell would be a C plus, maybe a uh, B minus, because I think Caldwell can change the culture. I think that um, he'd be a good a good guy to rewrite the sh- or rewrite their future and um, turn that ship around. So those are my coaching carousel breakdowns. Um, I raved about some guys. Sorry, I tore apart some guys, but um, ultimately I was impressed with the way a lot of teams handled this search, especially despite everything going on in our country right now with the pandemic. So hats off to the teams that handled this search the right way and the teams that didn't, you know, based on the grades that I just divvied out. Now, Chad Moore, who is a phenomenal football mind, joins the show to talk about his career to this point and his future. So ladies and gentlemen, Chad Moore. What is up? Welcome to Ambitious. My name is Dylan Price. Today's guest is an absolute beast from the Chilliwack Valley Huskers. He has now signed a contract to join the West Texas Warbirds in the Champions Indoor Football League. He is offensive lineman Chad Moore. Chad, how are you, my man? Pretty good. How are you? And thanks for allowing me to be here. Oh, of course. Uh, Very, very glad to have you. And first things first, did I pronounce the city right? Chilliwack, yeah. Oh, okay. All right. I feel like that's a win then because I was a little nervous that I, ma- that I botched that, but uh, very happy to uh, have you on. So diving right into things, when did you start playing football? Um, I started playing football at 11 years old. Oh. I was uh, grade six, springtime, and we just got our bounty program started. So they're looking for kids around from grade six to grade eight to come play and I was just in being a kid that's been looking up to my dad. He played football in the city uh, in Edmonton. He played for St. Joe Saints back in the 80s. So, <laughs> you know, just hearing those football stories, it was just, you know, I was excited to get on there. So, and so when got the opportunity at 11, I took it and just went forward with it. Now, you are 
a rarity, I guess, in comparison to some of the other football players I've had on is that you're from Canada. So some of these questions aren't necessarily going to be viewed in the same lens because you were playing in a whole other country. How... How different do you really feel, though, that like playing in Canada was versus playing in the States? Um, it's, it's, it's like the rules are different and the competition. There is more competition, I find. And, well, I shouldn't say competition, but atmosphere is different. Like, it's hard to explain. Like, you can see it's the same game, but you can see that it's totally different yet too like what i'm trying to don't mind me or i'm just trying to find the words here to say it because oh you're good I, uh so what I, Ooh, sorry Continue. i gotta really be honest though like besides you know besides the rules change-ups and stuff it's and besides like there's a different little like little system up here to go to cfl like up here we have like uh we have our university of course which is our college, and we also have a, a, a league called the CGFL, which is the Canadian Junior Football League. So, so there's definitely a different process, I guess, than the NFL, and definitely the different rules. Is that your ultimate goal, though, to get to the NFL, or is it to get to the CFL and to uh, to play in Canada again? I mean, you're playing in the states, hopefully, uh, barring COVID, in just a few months. But is the plan to go to the CFL or the NFL or just wherever the road takes you? Uh, well, I I would love to play for either one because I just want to play football. But honestly, like com- living up here, I grew up in a small northern town. So my goal since I was young was to make it to the NFL. I love the CFL, and I have always well, I I would say I would love to go play, either start my career there or finish my career there. But definitely, my goal is to the NFL. It's that's the show, right? Like. Everyone talks about it as a show, so... Agreed. I think that's definitely the epitome of the football realm. Now, in... I guess in growing up, because in the NFL, or in America, the NFL is, I guess, everywhere you look is the best way to put it. There's games every night of the week. In Canada, were you watching more CFL, or were you still watching the NFL in Canada? I mean, this sounds like, I guess, a dumb question, but... I guess kind of gauging on who you looked up to is more of the route I'm going with this based on was it Canadian Football League players or was it the NFL? It, it started off with Canadian. Hmm. I was, I grew up like, I was, I remember at an early age, you know, watching uh, Eskimo games with, uh, I meant to, I should say Edmonton football team. My bad, sorry. <laughs> um, I should, I watched, I grew up watching Edmonton you know, play since I was at young age. That was my first team I got to watch, you know, and then me and my dad would bond watching over the game and over time. And eventually as I got older and it was not until I got to start playing at 11 is when I got into the NFL and started watching more and more of it. Hmm. So now, Oh, continue. Sorry. Yeah. Now, when you first started watching football, what teams did you gravitate towards or what players um, I, I've started, like, when I first started watching, it was, um, I was, I was trying to find my team and find a team I absolutely love to watch, and it was, you know, so it started off, you know, I started off as actually, believe it or not, as I, I started, I started watching the Tampa Bay Buccaneers play back in, I would say, 
mid 2000s, well, 2008, 2009. That was really my first NFL team I started watching. And after that, kind of, it switched a little bit to watching a little bit of the Patriots. Then, really, like, it started off as just watching whatever was popping on TV up here, right? So, to watch the game. So, any NFL game I'd see, I would, you know, go watch it at first. So, then I would start find then start finding a team. Then, eventually, I came across the uh, Chicago Bears. <laughs> So. so you are a Bears fan now? Is that the uh, the allegiance where you go? I guess that's the best. Uh, as as right now, yeah. I still um I still like to I I kind of step back and Bears are still my favorite team, but I watch the whole NFL. So when there's a game, I watch every player, and now I have more players I I like to watch than you know just teams. <laughs> so. Well, I guess my first question there before I talk about the players is, I mean, the Chicago Bears just got oust from the playoffs this weekend. How are you feeling about that? Um, you know, I was, I'm actually not even, I, it sucks because everyone wants to, you know, wants their team to go to the Super Bowl, right? Everyone wants to go to the Super Bowl. But, you know, as I got a, like, stepping back and I've been watching them since week one during training camp and all that, and then they went through that rough spot rough patch there so and I, I was thinking you know I wasn't I, I don't want to be mean here but I, I wasn't expecting them to actually come back from that I thought they're going to be all they're, you know they're not going to come they're not going to make playoffs this year hmm. and just being real and yeah just then all of a sudden they made that big comeback and I really called it I said you know if you guys can at least make it to the first round of playoffs that'll be a huge boost for this team and that's what they did so I, I just believe it was um, their their defense held up very well. Their defense, you know, with a few some key players, it's it's going to be. I think in the next few years, it's going to be one heck of a defense. And really, their offense is still young. They need to find a few more key players and on that offense. And you know, hopefully, Tavinsky can keep up fighting and work with his work ethic because he's. I'm impressed with him, how he came bounced back and how the fire in his eyes he was this year and stuff at quarterback. Like, a lot of people, you know, can give him a hard time and stuff. But as a guy who's been watching him since a rookie, I've seen, you know, him fall a little bit, climb, and he grew a lot this year. So Now, I guess that was my follow-up question is, do you see him being the quarterback of the future? Um, Like, I do like him. Like, I don't mind him. I, I always, like, I... You know, I think he needs like I thought. Like I told, like I told myself, and I was telling all my buddies that he needs a few years to develop. So now that it's been three years, so I'm kind of excited to see what he can do now. Next year will be the year to see if I if he can play or not. You know, and I really hope he does. And but what he's shown was that fire he had this year in his heart, and you know he he did he did the job. You know, it just like I said, it was a young offense, like. Young receiver core for sure, and young running back core, new offense line, and that's where I think Trubinsky needs. I my personally believe watching this year, I think that need they need to stock up on the line, mm-hmm. and definitely having they didn't have long this year their right guard like last year, so he retired, and that definitely affected not having him on the line this year for sure. I, so. I think they got to give you a call and get you in there on the line. Yeah, I'll be I'll be awesome. I think that'd be uh, one of like a childhood dream come true. (laughs) 
Well, hopefully that is the way that things are trending for you. So I want to get back to talking about some of the players that you look up to. But first, I want to know, what is the feeling, I guess, on the future for you? I do want to talk a little more about the past as well in a little bit. But the West Texas Warbirds, you recently just signed a contract with them before the year ended. What is the hopes for the future for you in the Champions Indoor Football League? Right now, and I'm just I'm focused on that season. So every day I wake up, it's the first thing that I wake. I first thing that comes to mind when I wake up. First thing it pops up to me all months of the day. Like I'll be sitting there, and I have to go. I, I, I right now I'm focused on. There's um I had a coach, and back in the day he told me this, and this will come back like you said later on. I'll explain more. Um, but uh, he was told me to be the solution, not the problem. Do whatever it takes to help your team out, help the team out every way you can. And that's my mindset right now. It's just, I'm focused right now. I'm trying to be the best player I can be to help out my new, my new family. Right. And I'm, this has been a long time since I've been this focused, like the wake up, it's cardio. We hit some, you know, hit some weights, eat some breakfast back, doing some more cardio on the on the TV watching game film and stuff or watching some whatever film I can get on YouTube about arena football in general to see how it's like and stuff and just really focused on coming in and being ready to go and be that to help to be that solution and be part of that that bring part of that winning culture into that team this year you know now, I going back to the roots of playing in Canada and then playing for the Chilliwack Valley Huskers, what was the experience like playing for the Valley Huskers? It was it was quite the experience. I was 18 years old when I first came in. First time being even out of province for a new team. I was young, scared, nervous, and I came into a team that was was uh, one in nine the year before then we went to and when i first got there it wasn't the best culture in that team had a lot of a lot of guys a lot of a lot of you know a lot of no there was no emotion no hype the energy was flat dull you know it was like, i remember when i first came there i was by the end of my rookie year i was so frustrated i was ready to walk off the team and and that's when I had the coach and the president. He told me that we need, told me about, hey, we need you to be the solution. We promise it'll get you, it'll, it'll get better. You have the and they're like, you have the heart and you want to be here. So, and I said okay. Second year, when I went in again, then I met finally I met this uh, coach from U of M, Bob Reese, and he should we shook hands and there's something about him that I liked, and that's when. Everything just went from just turned all the way. It just went straight, like just turned itself around. And you know, yeah, fourth year, we my third year, we also that year we went zero and ten. Fourth year is when he did. He told me that he was going to do a lot of recruiting. He knows what he has, and we came out that year six and four, and finally gave Huskers a playoff berth the first time since I think early two thousands, two thousand seven maybe. It's, it was. But it was a long time. That's really, so, really cool. Yeah. And over time, like, 
I was told when I left my hometown that I was never going to be on team. Then it was like, oh, you're playing for the worst team in the BCFC and, and the West Side of Canada. You're, you're like, even like, you're not going to start. Then after that, I started to start, and then I never like and just how everything started to change. Where I started believing myself, like I could like it was I'm trying to find the right words here to say it, <laughs> but uh, it was to uh, just the you know like being that kid who always got told to be on the sidelines, and now he was the center leading the front line that his senior year. Well, actually, I was pl- I got. I was starting since my rookie year. Was never expecting that. Funny story about that, how that all started, was it was our first game. Our, guard, our right guard went down to a knee injury. I think he just tw- sprained or twisted his knee, but he was said he, w- he was out for the rest of the game. And coach looked at me, and he's like, you're going in. And after that, the rest was history. <laughs> like, got, I, worked, I worked my butt off till the last three games of the year. And by by like those last three games, coach looked at me the third last week and went, "You're starting. Congratulations, kid. You're now our starting guard for the rest of the year." I looked at him and really he goes, "Yeah, you earned it." Then second year, coach is changing again, so was on the sideline. Got to, I think I played three three or four more games. I got to start, but still wasn't mostly. Still got plenty of reps in. Then third year was, that's when I finally got on and was supposed to play center. Then moved into guard because we had no tackles. So they did, they moved everyone on the left side over. So, but it was the, but besides just playing football, the community waking up and I was, I'm where I'm from. It, it's kind of flat. There's still hills and stuff. So going to BC and seeing the mountains, waking up in the mountains every day was gorgeous. The community was awesome, and I just gotta say, I had nothing but a, I had had a blast, and it was nothing but an awesome experience. And now that that's why I'm excited, so excited to come down to uh, Texas and play with the Warbirds there now. So. You know, it's really cool. I ask a lot of people that question to talk about their experiences, and I don't know if I've ever heard someone talk with such admiration for the experience, despite the fact that you just hit on, you know, you came into a 1-9 and program, you were doubted, you went to a 0-10 team, or you were 0-10 at one point, you had coaching changes, you had so much adversity to overcome, yet you overcame it, you were a leader for your team, you provided versatility on the offensive line, and you even won a coach's award at one point. Can you tell me about that? Um, yeah, it was, I, I want to start off with, I never play for awards. I, the same thing I'll say, I'll never probably be, you'll never see me captain. I'll say that right now is I play for awards for me. It's a third bonus. So I would, like I was never, it's, it was cool. Like I, I knew, like, I just, it was me, you know, I just, I was that was me. I just that's who I am. I'm that guy who, you know, can be. I I'll take any anyone's anyone's advice on the field, you know, if they're going to help me, and I'll take it. Whatever they say, I'm like a sponge. Same with coaches. That if they're going to pass like when if they're going to pass down knowledge, I I'm going to take it in. Go and then help. Same with me. If I'm and I'm going to and for these rookies, I'm going to for the uh, younger ones, I'm going to teach them afterwards after a few years, right? I pass it on. 
and it doesn't matter if it's on and off the field. If my teammates, doesn't matter if I'm working or not, if my teammates need advice, need something to talk to or need something to be there for them, even for even our own, even the coaches, if they need someone just to talk to or be there or need a hand for me, like, hey, if you need just anything, like, I'm, I'm that guy who's always going to be there and help try helping out the best I can because that's who I am, you know? Like, so, like... That coach, like, so, like, the coach's award I won in 2018 was my senior year. And, yeah, I, I really can't explain it because, yeah, I don't, I was just doing my thing, I guess. Well, that's funny because, you know, you hear some people and they'll say, you know, oh, I, I went and I tried to do this and I tried to do this specifically to earn this acknowledgement or earn this credit, but, Everything you're saying is, listen, I just came, I did my job, I tried to help as much as possible, be an asset to the team, and the awards were secondary. I mean, it really sounds like you are doing this because you just love the game of football. Is And I feel like that's a fair assessment. Is that correct? That is. You know, I, this ever since I've seen, like, I talked about watching the Eskimos on TV, the Edmonton, Edmonton and it was just... I was always this big kid that, come, growing up in, in Canada, it was always about hockey. Well, being, you know, I was a bigger bone kid who couldn't skate, and parents could afford me to put me in hockey, so, you know. And I, I found out that I liked, I, I was a I was a rough kid. Like, I liked to, you know, rough house, you know, wrestle and get, get my hands dirty, get in the mud, stuff like that. So when football came along so what just watching football i knew that was something for me and i just loved watching it just loved the game since day one especially when i first got on the field like you know when i got on the field my very first practice just that moment me and my dad had together when he helped me very first time he put on my equipment and everything he put on the helmet and just that proud moment you just felt between the two right like it was just that like First time I stepped on that field, I just knew I never want to get off. I love the game, and that's one thing, you know. Even my first head, my first head coach, some Bantam there, shout out to Tim Reed. <laughs> um, he always told me straight up, never give up. You got you, you got heart. You love the game, and that's what he always told me that was going to get me far. Never. It's when people stop loving the game that's when, it, that's when something's wrong. Well. And, not only does it sound like you love the game, but it sounds like you are the hardest worker. You are versatile. You are a sponge, and you have a high football IQ. So I guess I have to ask, if you had to look at your game and break it down, do you feel you have a flaw in your game that's a glaring n- glaring or noticeable? I like to think that there's some stuff that it's... I'm, I'm always thinking about this. This is what I watch about when I'm on game film for myself. I don't watch it like I don't watch the whole play. I always watch what I'm doing first because simple terms is as long as I'm doing my job right, that's all I need to worry about, and then everything else will go smoothly, right? So when I'm always breaking down my own game film, I'm always my my hardest thing. I'm I'm always making sure is how accurate is my snaps? Are they too high? Are they too low? Are they too much to the right? Too much to the left? Are they kind of lobbying? Or is it a perfect spiral? You know. Then after that is, did I step when I, as when I start when I snap, did I take my steps? 
you know, was I low enough, you know, then watching game film, I can see like, oh, like, for example, like, okay, that guy got me up this move. And that's where he's seen where that's why we use that move because I was leaning too much on this side when I should be more leaning on the other side or more like having my weight in the middle, right? So I'm always I'm always trying to find every weak point because I always believe you're, I'm only I'm only as strong as my weakest my weakest points in my body, so I'm always trying to find that weak point and and build it back up. Arnold, and it's kind of like an Arnold Schwarzenegger tactic. Like, I'm a huge Arnold fan, so growing up, you know, I'm a, always been, the, I'm a gym guy too, so <laughs> guys like him and Rich Mahana who, you know, guys who like, like Arnold who said, always always find your weak points and make sure you have no weak points. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of like what I live up to is just, yeah, just make sure that I can probably... If we had the game film, I can probably pinpoint every mistake I made in front of my right, right beside my coaches, and that's one thing I think uh, Luke, my bowling coach, liked about me the most was that I can I pinpointed my own mistakes and I tried to learn how to fix them too. And I can, I even asked coach that it was funny because I was sitting right beside Coach Luke one day, and I'm like, "Hey, coach, did you see that?" He's like, "What do you mean?" I said, "I leaned too much forward on that play." I said, I can't do that. And he looked at me, he goes, and he just said, that's my job to point you out, man. <laughs> I just said, well, I said, I'm going to be accountable. And I said, I'm going to be definitely, when it comes to game film, it's not there to see how well I did. It's there, what, it's it's me watching to see where I need to improve and what happened to the, on those bad drives and on those bad plays, right? So, yeah. <laughs> Listen, I think that that is a hell of a trait to have at the next level. And now you said something there that kind of answers this next question, but you've demonstrated a lot of versatility in your past career. And now looking at the future, you mentioned, you know, your snaps. So I'm presuming that heading to the next level, you intend to be a center? Uh, if, yeah, if I'm definitely going to play O-line, definitely I think would be a center and guard. But I've besides the under-center stuff, I do love playing center. <laughs> just quarterbacks heads up any future quarterback that's going to be my my brother just buy me dinner first <laughs> <laughs> uh but no i just something about playing center though just i absolutely love it's you know i like how you're getting up there and that's where my that's where the leadership comes and like i said be, earlier before that when it, you'll i'll probably like, i'll always try I, I just never see myself be captain because I seen this one scene on Facebook the other day and it really just then it's a military clip and the guy walked in and they saluted him. I think it was Sergeant and they, and uh, one guy goes, we only, uh, we only salute the title, not the math. And then I showed that to my family. Cause that's what I was getting for. That's exactly how I felt about me being captain is that I don't want anyone to give me respect on my le- or, or look at me for leadership because of the title, but I want people to look at me for my leadership for who I am and I'm a not because I'm a natural born leader right so that's why definitely like now just sorry about that just trying to find better words to put trying to find some words to put in there trying to add on to that 
I think you're perfectly fine. I think that was a really good answer, and I think that that's uh, definitely, these are all things that I think are going to do very well for you at the next level. Now, talking about that next level, and I've said this, is you come into the States. You are coming to the United States to play football. So what do you expect? I mean, I'm sure there's been a lot of things you've heard about Texas from Canada. Have you had the chance to visit Texas? Is this a new experience? What is the feelings, I guess, right now about coming to America and coming to Texas? Well, this will be my second trip to Texas. I've been, I actually was there last January for the Oakland Panthers tryouts when they were getting their teams going. So, and I've been to, I was landed in Dallas that night and traveled to Austin. So definitely had a good, you know, it was a good week down there and I always wanted to come back. And then, so then on top of that, I've been to uh, um, the Spring League last year, that June and July showcase as well in California. So, you know, I kind of like when I first came down there, it was I was not in the what to expect. But now coming in this time, I have an idea. Like definitely it's the tougher competition, like especially like it's fast, it's faster, it's athletes are stronger, they're more athletic, you know, and. And these guys are like some of these guys that I went up against were guys who were, you know, guys who were um, all Americans in college and stuff. So, you know, like so after, you know, I realized I can stand, you know, I can I can handle myself with the big dogs. So now it's OK. I know what to expect now. So let's go and actually become one of these big dogs and show them what I can do down there. Hey, I think that is definitely the. uh the right way of looking about things, and it's very interesting. Uh, I've reiterated this, but it's really surprising me how humble you are and how, you know, you're saying, you know, I, I expected it to be faster and I expected to see if I could hang and, you know, I could, but you're acknowledging the toughness of your competition. And I think that that's something that's lost on a lot of today's football players. So kudos to you for having that and having that accountability that you talked about earlier, because those are traits that not even just on the gridiron, but even off the field are some things that are just going to serve you well for the rest of your life and uh, are very impressive. Thank you. Like I said, it's just who I've always been, how I've been raised. You know, I grew up in a small town, you know, with a, <laughs> I grew up in a smaller house, kind of like a trailer when I was a kid to now. So it kind of made me realize, you know, be re- really humble and respectful and stuff. And I, I've been the other way around. I got guys who disrespected me and I had to put, a, I put them in the dirt and the turf a few times and, I realize, and I see those guys on TV and stuff, and I promised myself when I was a young kid, even high school, I was never going to be that guy. <laughs> so, <laughs> and I, and I was there was times where I was and there was times I was afraid to be that those guy that type of guy, but over time I'm realizing, no, this is who I am, and I'm going to be real and be honest who I am. So, <laughs> again, thank you though. <laughs> of course, and that's really all you can be. Now you talked about raising you. Um, what, in looking back at your growth, you mentioned your dad, who, who do you feel has played the biggest role in both the person you've become, but also the player that you've become? Um, I gotta say both my parents and my family around me, you know, my dad was a uh, hard worker. He is a truck driver who works 12 hours a day for, you know, long shifts and he's home every night. Cause he does like a short haul, but you know, this, 
seeing that guy bust his butt for for his family that he loves every single day, you know, waking up at four o'clock in the morning to start off his semi, and then not home until eight o'clock, nine o'clock at night. You know, when I was growing up, it was just, you know, I didn't, I never understood it until now. And well, until a few years ago when I started growing up and stuff, like after I started, when I graduated from high school, but yeah, it was just, you know, with him then, you know, mom was uh, staying home, staying home. She raised me and my brother. She was always there. So, you know, she, you know, having seen both, the, you know, both of my parents and how they were and how they raised us was just, yeah, amazing, you know, and learned a lot from them and they, you know, they raised us, you know, exact same way. Be humble, be kind. It's kind of like that uh, Tracy Atkins song there, like <laughs> humble, stay humble and kind, you know, and all that, right? And don't forget where you come from. Don't forget your roots. That's all. That's all they they always tell me when I when I leave for football is don't forget where you come from and always remember who you are. Never let these, never let anyone change you, you know. And they like my dad had his dreams taken away from him for football. I at 18 to go work and you know my mom grew up not didn't have the best life growing up she had a rough childhood so you know just uh have two parents who came together and made a family and made you know not just me but my 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 other my little brother you know just and just raised us to who we are and just you know and they were always, and they're really honest with us growing up. Like I know, I used to go in school. I used to. I remember I heard this one parent used to tell his kid that this world is beautiful. It's full of sunshine and rainbows. And I used to look at my mom and go, "Is it?" And my mom and dad will be on. No, this world can be mean. It's going to be hard. It's going to be tough. You got to be tough to be able to live in this world. You know. So and that's how you know that's how they raised me and my brother and. Definitely those two are the biggest ones, especially, you know, like my dad would work his butt off just to pay for my football camps to send me and my brother down there or down to a camp in Alberta. Well, we, even to BC at one point, like just a guy like that, it's just, I just was always this, wow, you know, like, you loved us and, you know, you're there and you de- and definitely, you know, biggest and those two, my, both of my parents have been two of my biggest impacts me growing up so and i'm proud of that now in talking about your on the field influences you mentioned you know your admiration for players who are some players that you look up to and admire um, so i want to start off with um i'm gonna go from the past to now so i gotta say back in the like since i recently i discovered concrete charlie and I've been watching him on his highlights and stuff. And I'm like, you know, I'm not the tallest center, but I can play like him. I think I can, you know, like just trying to relate. I'm like, if today he's that, if he was that small going up against those guys, then I can do it too, you know. Like, that was always my, that's been my attitude since I was started playing. But then it, but the first player who really inspired me was. Chicago, and this is the reason why I started watching Chicago was Dick Buckus. Just how that guy hit, just how he played football. Same with Lawrence Taylor, Ray Lewis. You know, I I, I was originally a defense lineman, so <laughs> hmm. I used to I used to love to hit. Like I always used to joke with the quarterback, saying I went from hitman to bodyguard. 
So, but uh, yeah, it was just, you know, just guys like that. And it was guys, you know, I just, I guess like the guys who got me a bit even more humble was, you know, like I watched a lot of Randy Lewis or Randy Moss. I mean, <laughs> Randy Moss growing up. So like during when I first started, so like I always thought just, he was entertaining for me, right? Mm-hmm. And guys like, you know, and another one, like, I know it's not going to be a shock for a lot of people, but a guy who actually who's inspired me, who's still in the league and he's been playing since 2002 or early 2000, he got drafted was Tom Brady. That guy, like, I feel like I've been through his shoes a little bit. And I've seen, I've been through, I've seen what he's seen a little bit, you know, we have lately, you know, he got drafted in seventh round, last pick, you know, always, always looked over. They told him he was, you know, at the combine, you know, scrawny. He was not, the, he was not the most best athlete and stuff, but he had a great football IQ in mind. And he was, a, and now look at him now and growing up and just telling myself on those hard days, like, look at guys like Tom Brady, even Clay Matthews, and I even guys like Michael Jordan, who has never played for their high school basketball, got cut from his high school basketball team. Guys like that inspired me saying, hey, you guys did it. Why can't me? You know, like, <laughs> just, yeah. Very, then, very cool. But, yeah, I can go on. I can probably, I probably have 100 players I can probably talk to and break down. <laughs> Well, listen, I want to talk a little more more about you. And one of my last questions here is one I ask every guest who comes on this show, and it's definitely indicative of who you are as a person and what you want your future to be. So, Chad, when it's all said and done, what do you want your legacy to be? I just want people to know it doesn't matter where where you come from. It doesn't matter if it's in a bad neighborhood, small town in the middle of nowhere, you know, up north. It doesn't matter in the world. If you have a dream and if you believe in yourself and ignore all the naysayers, you can go out there and do it, and always and be and always be respectful. Like I wanna, I always I, you know I wanna bring back like I want I always joke about when I was younger, but I'm, I think I'm serious about now. I want to be like you know those commercials where you had like I I remember it was wrestlers used to push the vitamins and stuff like that, like eat your vitamins and stuff like that. You know, mm-hmm. be humble, be kind, respect your opponent stuff like that it, you know like john cena <laughs> kind of but more of a probably like a more of a cooler version <laughs> yeah. respect. like john cena's cool but it's more of a kids you know guy i want to be kind of for i like, like kind of like the rock type thing i, I want to be like i want to bring everyone together you know mm-hmm. from you know all all nations all cultures you know i just want to be i always joke about my mom but Honestly, what I want to leave a legacy. I want to be known as kind of like the people's baller. You know, I want to ball for the people, you know, the, for the fans and stuff like that and interact with them, especially the guys who I've seen who, especially the men and women who work and I'm like, who work those jobs that, you know, that make our economy run, our, our, uh, our nation and all that, right? Those people, you know, but yeah. Just to represent, you know, the people, you know, and just go out there and always like, I always dream about being like JJ Watt, you know, going to throw around the balls or even going to restaurants just randomly and going, you know, shake some fans after and just stuff like that, right? You know, and give back as much as I can.
you know, like, like right now, like what I'm doing here is there's any kid around here that needs a, needs a, who wants to still play football, but doesn't know how to, how to go about it. I, I always try to encourage them. They can come talk to me because I've been down that road. And if they want to play football, well, I don't have the best, you know, I don't, I, everyone has their own route and their own road. So I'm not trying to get people to fall down my road, but if I can, help them build them up, you know, get them into the gym, get them athletic and stuff like that, and then send them off their way. You know, and that's what I try to do. And, like, I just like, I did that to uh, my brother's buddy, Dom, this year. You know, he came up to me last last January and asked if he can come work out with me. And now he's looking like another version of DK Metcalf, but <laughs> 18 years old and still fast, fast athletic, you know. So the stuff like that, that's, you know, I want – I. Just want to want like just yeah, <laughs> just stuff like that. I think that uh, that is a very 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 good answer to that question. Now my final question for you, Chad, is uh, maybe even bigger than that. It's one I ask everyone as well, and that is, if you could be any kind of boat, what kind of boat would you be? Kind of boat. Uh, I would either something like. I'd be something like a sailboat where I can cruise on the ocean and stuff. And there's somewhere where I can go down the coast in some warm weather and stuff and just relax and enjoy. And, but yet enjoy the waves, you know, but right. But honestly, if what type of boat I would be, it would probably be something that pulls like a tugboat because I'm known for my strength and my power. So, <laughs> Hey, I think that, uh, that's definitely a good thing to be known for, especially when you're a super, a future superstar uh, offensive lineman. So, Chad, I can't thank you enough for coming on. It was absolutely a pleasure to sit down with you. Can you tell the people where they could find you on social media? Um, I got if you go on Instagram, if you go Chad underscore Diesel underscore More or Chad Diesel More, that's where they can find me on Instagram. I'm pretty sure same for Instagram or Twitter as well. So gonna, I've been taking a break from it since last November, just kind of pull back from it and stuff and then just enjoy the world around me and surrounding, enjoy time with family and friends as much as I can right now. But definitely going to, I got a lot of stuff I got to start announcing. So it's going to be definitely go uh, give me a like, give me a follow and definitely uh, pay attention because I'm going to start posting again soon here. And if everything goes good, I've, like probably time summertime comes maybe start my youtube channel up again and start getting some workout videos well listen chad i am excited to uh follow along with that personally and excited to see all the big things you do because listen with all the uh character traits you have and all the passion and desire you have i have no doubt you're going to be very successful with your football career wherever it may take you so best of luck to you chad and i once again can't thank thank you. you enough for coming on Thank you so much. I really appreciate it. And it's been a, and it was an honor. Thanks again so much, man. Really appreciate it. Once again, I want to thank Chad for taking the time to come in Ambitious. It was a lot of fun to sit down with him and pick his brain about his career to this point, his future. And I have no doubt he's going to be successful because, as you heard, he has a very high football IQ and he's an absolute monster on the gridiron. 
With that said, if you'd like to listen to more episodes of Ambitious, check us out on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Play, wherever you listen to podcasts. And you can find us on Instagram, at Ambitious Podcast, Twitter, at Ambitious with DP, and YouTube, Ambitious with Dylan Price. We'll be back next week with another Ambitious episode. Have a great week, guys.